around the world and across the ages, this is the December 2007 edition of The Cavern Today, a Mist Online Uru Live fan presentation. This time of year not only brings for many a break from school and work, but regrettably it also brings a break from Mist Online Uru Live episodes. To make matters worse, the cavern was even closed for a little bit there. Thankfully, our short cavern closure is over, and the return of access to the cavern brought with it a few treats to help remove that sense that the cavern had gone. Much less to say, we weren't left in the cold with the end of Season 1. Throughout Season 1 of Mist Online Uru Live, many questions have come up that our fans and listeners might have liked to see answered by the scientists. So, as a special treat for all Mist Online fans and curious explorers, well, do they come any other way? We present for you an interview with Ryan Miller of Cyan Worlds. This is our second time speaking with Ryan Miller, which is an important milestone as Ryan was our first interview with a scientist dating way back to Podcast 5 in November 2005. Wow, Podcast 5. It seems such a long time ago. Two years, 26 podcasts. On top of the interview with Ryan, we've packed this, our Holiday 2007 podcast, with all sorts of great stuff to close the year out. We have the news, a Christmas music piece by Moog, a short tips and tricks TCT tech piece, a Cavan Choir Quartet, a little piece I'd like to call That's Just Me, of course, and finally, our monthly Mad Lib. Grab a cup of cocoa, sit back, relax, and enjoy Podcast 31, our gift to you. The holiday podcast for 2007. was a piece from a choir that ArcLife participated in. I tell you the name, but it's not written in English, and hence I can't quite make out the pronunciation. So let's just say it's a pretty holiday piece. Now, we give you Nareem with the news.
Hello, this is Narim with your TCT News report for the month of December. Well, after last month's mass exodus, there are currently no DRC members in the cavern, which has translated to no new ages being released and no substantial discoveries being made. The Bar Row also seems to be taking a break from the action in cavern, with no major sightings made. It certainly seems like the whole cavern is on something of a hiatus at the moment, with no major developments for this reporter to <laughs> report. Uh, perhaps the most significant event was the temporary closure of the cavern for several days from the 3rd of December, due to what appears to have been a re-evaluation of the structural integrity of the cavern walls. There also appears to have been some talk of servers. Does this mean that we will soon see the first Denis five-star restaurant open? At this early stage, it's far too soon to tell, but we will keep you updated on any developments on that front if and when they become available. There have also been a number of small new discoveries made in recent weeks. Some clothing items have been discovered, including shoes, and a number of Santa hats have materialized in Explorer's Roltos. While some say this is an early Christmas gift from Yisha, others have suggested it to be a practical joke from some explorer somewhere. But regardless, many have gotten into the festive cheer of the month and have been sporting the red and white throughout the cavern and the ages. Also, the sparkly for the month has appeared in one of the newer locations available to the community and thus completes the set. It has been reported that there is a reward given to explorers to complete the set, though judging by its use, it may be more suited to New Year's celebrations rather than Christmas celebrations, but regardless, it has and will find use. Finally, while there are no official events in the cavern at this time, many explorers continue to run their own events. Currently, the DPWR is running a Holiday Golden Key competition. Explorers are permitted to supply modified photos into this competition, and entries close on the 22nd of December. Also recently was a performance by the illustrious Cavern Choir entitled Winter Holidays of Renaissance Europe, a collection of Renaissance choral songs. There was also an open forum on the topic of manners in the cavern entitled How to Act Like a Person When You Are Not One. Both events are examples of the ways the community can find things to do in lieu of official activities and it is to be hoped these events and others like them become regular parts of the average explorer's itinerary. This is Narim for The Cavern Today, signing off. A Santa hat? I'm gonna, uh, well, I'll be right back. Do this every year. Oh, hi, Moa. Oh, hello, Morris. What's wrong? I'm Dalkin Secret Santa this year. Oh, ouch. Tough luck. What did you decide to get him? I'm still trying to figure that out. I want to get him something he'll like, but I don't want to make him explode. I'm still jumping in every loud noise I hear since last time. <laughs> I know what you mean. It took them a month to replace the carpet and fix the walls. Well, I ought to get back to it. I don't have... What was that? Oh, the vending machine is busted again. 
Genathus is trying to explain his dictatorial power to it because it won't give him Donitos. Hi. Oh, uh, hi, Dalkin. I like oranges, especially chocolate ones. Yes, yes, we know, Delkin. Well, I was just off to find some stories. See ya. Mm-hmm. Bye, Bye Delkin. Delkin. I really should get this done. I'll see you later. I should get going, too. Happy holidays. <sighs> That's it. No more, Mr. Nice Producer. What did I miss? There's change in bags of Donitos everywhere. Well, more for me, I guess. Oh, it looks like Moog has a call into Cyan. We've been playing phone tag with Ryan Miller for a few months. Maybe he'll luck out. Let's see how he does this time. Hello again. This is Moog for the Cavern Today. And we are thrilled uh, to welcome Ryan Miller to our podcast again. Ryan, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Certainly glad to have you. It's been just over a year since we last chatted. I got to looking at my notes, and uh, it seems that we last had you on the podcast on Podcast 5, which was back on September 6th. At least the audio file with you in it dates back to September 6th of last year. And quite a bit has happened in the last year, needless to say. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen you know Season 1 come and finalize, and it's been a huge event for the community and, of course, for Cyan as well. And really, my first question deals with Season 1. Now that it's in the can, pretty much, can you give us an impression of the general mood at Cyan? Basically, how do you think Season 1 went, all things considered? Um, I think it went pretty well, all things considered. Um, I think we feel like we learned quite a bit. We proved quite a bit, and we... um, Overall, it went well. I, I think there is some frustration that we couldn't have done more, but given what we had to work with, I think we um, we did pretty well. And I think as a company, we learned a lot on how to uh, better produce upcoming seasons and to um, kind of make the most of what we have. Hopefully, we did at least. Yeah. Actually, that kind of harks back to some of the things we talked about before, how one of the great regrets of the original cancellation was that uh, essentially the rug was pulled out from under your feet before you'd had a chance to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that now you've had a <laughs> at several months to actually, you know, to do an Uru Live and uh, to see just how it works and, you know, fine-tune the process and... Exactly, exactly. And that was a lot of what we were able to learn is just actually, this was really the first time the game officially launched with people paying for it. So uh-huh. it didn't launch in the same way that it was going to launch previously, but we were still able to learn nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next three questions deal pretty much with story and gameplay. And of course, they're inter- intertwined in some ways. I'm sure you're aware of of some of the debates, the fervent debates that have been taking place in the forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been a multitude of questions aired regarding Season 1, Pro, and Con, and many in the community have been disappointed 
with the way the story was presented, uh, chiefly with the emphasis being on the DRC versus the Dini. And while others are fine with that, um, some are lamenting the seeming disconnect between the story and the ages, using the earlier mistitles as an example, where the story could only be revealed through the puzzles. Others are missing the journals, for example, the Yisha speeches, etc. Uh, can you take a few minutes and address the story delivery techniques that we saw in Season 1? For example, was this story development pretty much what you had in mind all along, or was it a compromise or something else entirely? Um, I think everyone knows it's pretty obvious that we're, we weren't able to do um, Uru as we had originally planned with, you know, endless budget and endless people. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, so... So right off the bat, we are dealing with um, we're having to make some compromises. That said, I'm not sure if we had a endless budget and endless people that we would ever be able to make everyone happy. Um, yeah. No matter what we do, there's always two sides. There's the forums who everyone seems thrilled and it's the best thing ever, and there's the forums who are upset and ready to leave the game. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I think that's just part of life um we try to do the best with what we have um we there's definitely uh, some of the things you mentioned in particular just using the ages as uh, more more connected to the story would would be a something we would want to do but again that does take more resources and more time um which we didn't always have in season one so yeah there's some things that i agree with there's some things i don't necessarily agree with it's there were compromises that we made and there were some intentional things that we made. And I think all in all, no matter what we do, there's always going to be some people who love it and some people who don't. And we'll just continue to try to learn um, from their opinions. We do look at the forums and we don't always respond, but we do take those opinions into account when we're planning stuff for the future and and trying to make as many people happy as we can, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think even the... Well, both the pro and con arguments, I think, would be of some interest. It's it's probably great to know that people are passionate about what you're building, and aren't just you know just and not just passing it off apathetically. I mean, they've really yeah, got no, strong opinions about it, and yeah, for sure, yeah, and, and a strong opinion, um, even a negative strong opinion, like you said, can be great for the community and the game. In, mm-hmm. in most instances, obviously, there's some negative opinions that don't help anyone but those are very yeah. rare with our fan base who is who is it was great and usually very up for a, a good passionate discussion on things versus just um you know throwing out threats or whatever yeah but yeah no for sure it's 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 great discussion and we'd love to make a game where every single person was as happy as they could <laughs> yeah. be that's, that's i don't think it'll tough. happen yeah, well, it, one other thing it points out, I guess, is that Uru is so many things to so many people, and uh, yeah. there are always going to be people that are, are thoroughly thrilled by what's happening because it strikes a resonant chord in them. Others are going to be looking for something else entirely, and I guess you kind of meet in the middle somehow. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, a few of us were discussing uh, story delivery in the forums recently and offering our own ideas regarding puzzle-based story delivery to a mass audience versus to a single player's. And when you think about it, translating the classing solo missed experience, quote-unquote, out to a large group audience does indeed introduce some major challenges. And as one of the master storytellers at Cyan, can you let us in on what went on behind the scenes 
as you shifted your target audience from the single explorer to the group. And I think that this actually would go back a little way to the transition from Riven into Uru. Right. Well, um, I think first off, we there there's definitely an aspect of Uru that we are, um, in a sense, trying to keep that solo mist experience. Um, we do we we use instances quite a bit. Sure. And we do try to allow players or small groups of players to experience that um, quote unquote solo mm-hmm. mist experience. Um, on their own in a in a virgin territory where where they can be the only ones to um, experience it and mess with it and solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a it's a massive multiplayer game at the same time. So we've um, you know basically I think for the most part that involves changing puzzles. Uh, and, and I guess the guard the Edens are a good example of kind of making a puzzle that requires. Um, numerous people to solve it mm-hmm. um there's some other things we've experimented with but it's really in the end it's a lot of that multiplayer stuff has come down to story um and kind of trying to get large groups involved lighting the lake is one example mm-hmm. um so i'm not sure that we've uru is it's a it's a weird bird it's a unique <laughs> game so it is kind of this weird hybrid of the solo experience on a group level uh-huh. and group experience in story and different ages. So yeah. I'm not sure that we've necessarily left the missed experience because we do think that's what we are good at, those kinds of puzzles and those kinds of um, stories intertwined with the puzzles and the ages and everything kind of tying together into that history as well. So uh-huh. I, I don't think we want to leave it completely. We kind of want to allow massive audiences to experience that and then talk about it and form communities around it in a sense. Sure, sure. Well, I remember back to the earliest days when we were hypothesizing about what Ura was going to be like and the speculation was out there, well, what if somebody comes through your age and solves all the, <laughs> opens all the doors before you get there and spoils all your fun? And, of course, you used instancing to get around that. And I think it was... Uh, it took me a long time to get around to seeing, oh, that's why they did instancing. It really makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. seen right. in that light, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how Uru would have worked without instancing, and so uh, we went went to quite a bit of work to try to get that whole foundation in place, and I think it's there for the most part and works uh-huh. pretty well. Well, you said something about uh, puzzle and story integration a few minutes ago, and... Uh, my next question kind of deals with that. The term puzzles is really something of an oversimplification for the challenges we've historically faced in the Mist worlds. But I did want to mention this and ask if Cyan has any plans to better integrate story delivery with puzzles in the future. In Season 2, for example, will we see any more of the classic Mist play model where story progression was entirely dependent on our actions? Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions on Season 2, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer them entirely. Understood. Um, it's so, uh, I just don't know details at this point. Sure. So, that said, though, I can still kind of answer the question. Um, one of the, uh, one of the problems we were dealing with, I think, in season one was trying to use some of the ages we've used in the expansion packs and, mm-hmm. and resources that we have, um, in order to 
better be able to release some some big ages. I'm not sure that we had the manpower to to create big brand new ages from scratch during mm-hmm. season one. So we did end up having to um, you know mix and match here and there, and that sure. obviously right from the start makes it harder to intertwine the story with the age. Um, yeah. So we tried our best to do that, but I think it comes, and we would like to do that in the future. I just think that comes down to a resource management issue, um, having the resources to begin with and being able to manage them the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've, we're learning to manage them better, and I don't know if we'll have more or less for season two. Yeah. So um, it's definitely a desire. We love doing that. We love, actually, I can say we hate just puzzles that are, <laughs> uh, abstract, just you know, fill the bath with water and it opens the door, and yeah. no one has puzzles for puzzle's sake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, puzzle for puzzle's sake. So uh-huh. we love to intertwine <laughs> the puzzles into the age to make them so they don't look like puzzles, so they're not obvious, so that mm-hmm. they do integrate with the story and and create a whole world there that makes sense. That's a high value of ours, and. Uh, we definitely want to do that as much as we can, and you should know that we do do that as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it doesn't seem that way, but it definitely uh, we work with what we have, and that yeah. is definitely a high value. So. Yeah. Well, on kind of a related note, in one of the Uru live forum threads, uh, it was recently revealed that your staff has been building back up. Is this for uh, season two preparation or? Is it unrelated? <laughs> Whatever the case, it was really good news to you know to us who remember. It, 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 yeah, yeah, it is good news. It's not necessarily good news for season two. It is mm-hmm. uh, related to some uh, testing we're doing for third party. Oh, okay. Third party, so um, it's kind of a separate entity at this point, and not necessarily involved with season two. Although it is, it's good for the company as a whole to have. Um, kind of that branch to grow. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's a far cry from the skeleton crew of only a few months ago. It, oh, yeah. It, it wasn't that long it was, back, yeah. It's growing like crazy. They're hiring all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not a bad thing, but um, not necessarily directly tied to Season 2 either. Actually, it's not tied to Season 2 at all. So. Okay, yeah. Well, um, again, with Season 1 uh, complete, can you um, – Look back over it and describe the current relationship between Cyan and GameTap, meaning have the powers that be at GameTap been satisfied with MOUL so far? This is a topic that comes up every now and then on the forums with opinions divided between the optimists in the community and the doom and gloom contingent. Right. Um, The relationship's great. We're communicating with them frequently. Um, They are a business, and in the end, they want to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, if and if Uru is not making them a an acceptable amount of money for their investment, then uh, you know that will be their decision. And I think they are still making that decision. Although that allows for people to think doom and gloom, and I don't think it is doom and gloom. I uh-huh. think they are just trying to determine what kind of an investment they want to make based on what kind of uh, profit or potential Uru has based on what they've seen so far in season one. So I can't really speak for them. Um, our relationship's great, and we're kind of uh, communicating back and forth on 
what we all think season one has demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what the decisions are. Well, it's always hard to mix business and passion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> they don't really mix well like oil and water. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, with uh, season two in the offing, inquiring minds are already speculating on content. Uh, will we see any of the missed five ages? And along those lines, we should probably uh, readdress the area of user-developed ages. We know that Rand, among others, has wanted to provide age-building tools to the community for quite a while now. And since this topic has been popping up again in the forums recently, can you tell us if this is still the plan? And will user ages be an appreciable part of season two? Again, I can tell you, I can't tell you what will be the plan for season two, but I can tell you what we want. Sure. Um, and what we want is, as you said, we'd love to have uh, player-created content or age-building tools for the community in some form or another. Definitely that's a, a desire of ours. We would um, love to see the guilds grow larger and stronger and maybe be able to be wrapped around that player-created content. And we would love to see... Um, some some big ages that are uh, story and gameplay woven together in in a in a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, we we want to see all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I think though that I think there's a pretty good chance of some kind of user created content appearing in some form or another in season two. Um, it's definitely been in the discussion, and we'll just have to wait and see um, before we can say whether that's going to happen or not for sure. Yeah, that's but good it's news. definitely a desire yeah. of ours, and we would love to take it to that level. Now, and that said, I mean, it, it is work on our part to create the tools to allow the community to, to uh, develop content. and, and They would be some very sophisticated that, tools. <laughs> yeah, and, and we want to keep that content on a... Uh, we want we want a, a standard for that content. We we have never really wanted to make um, you know a, a second life where yeah, which has its its great things and its things that aren't so great. Um, mm-hmm. but we personally don't want to make a second life where every, people can just make a bunch of hideous content and fill it up. And that's never been our goal. So we want to make yeah. tools that allow players to create. Uh, a type of content that meets a certain standard yeah. and that requires again resources on our part and time and yeah that plays again until we don't know what those will be exactly yet mm-hmm. so we'll just have to wait and see still great to know they're in work though yeah 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 Getting back to story delivery, in uh, Season 1, that's one factor that was rather controversial and that only a relative uh, few could be present for major story elements while the rest of us had to settle for chat logs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, many of us were disappointed in the lack of journals or other in-cavern means of following story events. Uh, following on to the previous question, will there be any efforts to uh, keep more of the story in-cavern and equally accessible by the community as a whole? Um, yeah, we've thrown around different ideas. Me, personally, I would love to see the community take that and run with it. I mm-hmm. think that's something that community can do. Um, I mean, me personally, I've always hoped Uru would be like a like a real city. I mean, when you go to New York City, you don't necessarily meet the mayor and the governor, and you don't you aren't there for all the big things that have happened. But mm-hmm. the news 
still impacts you and what has taken place impacts you uh-huh. and what will take place will impact you. Now, obviously, we don't want to make it like New York City where your chances of ever seeing anything are next to nothing, but mm-hmm. the idea is, is that this is a this is a real place going on, and if, if someone's there and you don't happen to see them, well, you know, hopefully you'll see them next time, but that that story can still impact you. Sure. And as far as, as just like a real city, I mean, it's up to us to communicate that news to um, what, whatever, newspapers or videos or whatever. And, and uh-huh. the community has done that to a large degree, and I personally would love to see them take that to another degree if there's a desire for more of it. And we can obviously help in that, and we've talked about ways that we can help in that and that mm-hmm. um and we hope to be able to do that. That's still a desire of ours um, in the future. But I think we we won't ever... Um, I think we would love to have more live events, mm-hmm. but not necessarily change that the live event is only seen by some people. Yeah, I think true. We, I think we personally like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do. I like that. Not everyone gets to see every Kate speech, but mm-hmm. some people do, and they can talk about it and say what they saw. I'd like for there to be more of those so that more people have a chance to experience something big. And I, even with the the um, episodic content mm-hmm. scrunched into a week, I'm still not sure there was enough of those. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of the frustration came. But I still, and I think we still like that idea of um, live events that not everyone gets to see. Yeah, and time zones, of course, are an issue there, too. Yeah, and we, yeah. we tried to spread out that, that content. But again, that gets back to, you know, there's no way we have a whole world who's playing this game sure. every time zone possible. So mm-hmm. somebody is going to miss something every time, and somebody's going to get it, and the people who miss it are going to be upset. And mm-hmm. um, So uh, that kind of gets back to the amount of it. We try to make enough so every time zone gets something but uh-huh. uh I'm not going to say we did that successfully <laughs> um, yeah so again I think that just the amount of content I would love to increase the amount of live events mm-hmm. um, but I think we all are happy with even though I know some fans aren't um, I, I think we're all happy with the fact that you just have you just don't get to see everything yeah well actually some of us in the forums uh I've recently been uh, contributing to a thread in the general uh, discussion uh, called Episode Zero, Our Episode, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've put forth some really interesting ideas regarding the building of, if not our own ages, our own episodes, our own you know stories, in-cavern mm-hmm. stories. And I think some, uh, well, some really cool ideas are being presented. And I think, in part, some of these ideas come down to the fact that, well... If we could only, you know, place our own journals in the cavern, if we could only place our own objects in the cavern, not to make our own worlds as much as just to, you know, make small differences, mm-hmm. uh, adding journals that we've written with, you know, chapter by chapter story progressions and, you know, clues in each one that take you to the next one, etc., uh, mm-hmm. to um, use the existing ages to kind of, you know, flesh out our own creativity. And uh, Yeah, I think that's yeah. one of those tools that we can give you. Yeah. Um yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it's I don't think that the community can necessarily do it with the current tools. Yeah. Or especially to the level that we would all like the community community to be able to do it. So I think mm-hmm. there are some tools that we can provide and hopefully we can do that in the future. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, the journals, I think, really meant a lot to uh, uh, a good many explorers because they were our, what should I say, the newsletter from the you know the non-player characters, for example, keeping us abreast right. of story developments that we might not have gotten otherwise or um, or or might have missed. And mm-hmm. in some cases, where the story elements were kind of stretched out and sketchy, it would have been nice to have a journal synopsis to explain what was actually going on. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've heard that a lot, and I think that is something we have to, that's probably just a, uh, something, a mistake of ours that we did in Season 1. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have wanted journals, and they've said it repeatedly, and we just probably need to make sure to, <laughs> to place that as a higher yeah. priority in the future. Yeah. The uh, Well, it was, uh, in these recent concepts, it was just the idea of user-created journals where we could use the story elements. And, yeah, no, and, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. Like and that. that plus the cyan journals would just be you know, fantastic, would really bring yeah. us back into the game uh, in a more intimate way, I think. Right. No, I, I like both ideas a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, much has been said about the lighting of the cavern, and you uh, said something about it a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Many of us were uh, so excited about this since it gave us a running mission, for lack of a better term, that we could perform that was independent of the episodes. Uh, we could do it. Uh, I could be doing these, you know, these pellet missions in the background all along. But as you well know, there doesn't seem to have been much follow up on the idea, in spite of the continuing efforts of the community to keep the pellets coming. Uh, the lake light meter was an intriguing hint that major things were in the offing, but then it malfunctioned and was taken away. And in spite of the millions of points worth of pellets that have been dropped to date, there really hasn't been a perceptible change in the lake, unless I've missed it which has been something of a damper on our enthusiasm of a lot of folks. Uh, can you talk about the lake lighting efforts, and will we see a change in the lake for Season 2? Um, yes. We, I, I personally really like the idea of the lake light. Um, I love the idea of multiple people having to work together as a community to to affect the cavern and mm-hmm. the ability to also damage that effect. Yeah. Just to be honest, the... It, the lake light meter was removed because it wasn't functioning correctly. Uh, it actually really wasn't functioning correctly uh, for us as a company either. And at, mm-hmm. uh, there were some problems, technical problems, and we <clears throat> weren't able to fix those at the end. Um, that uh-huh. doesn't mean we haven't been um, keeping track of the pellets. Um, I knew you were still tracking those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think we, again, we hope to do something with that again in the future. Um, I'd love to see it, obviously, um, carried out like it was originally intended in Season 2. Yeah, and, and it is an intriguing thought, because yeah, uh, yeah. you look off into the distance and you see those indistinct, you know, the far walls of the cavern and think, gosh, I wonder if that's the city proper, you know. Mm-hmm. If only the lake were brighter, I could see what that was over there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I we I, we really like the idea of that whole uh, mm-hmm. puzzle, if you want to call it that. And <laughs> hopefully there'll be more of those, and that yeah. one will work properly. And having the day night cycles, you know, is, yep, would really be a treat. Yeah, it's got a lot of cool potential. Uh huh. Sure. Um, yeah. Thinking back to the early days, we'll backtrack a little bit. When you were originally creating Uru Live under Ubisoft. Uh, not including such minor issues as physics engines <laughs> disappearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is Mist Online Uru Live different from what you had in mind back then? And what lessons did you learn from Uru Live that you were able to apply uh, to MOUL? Um, I think for, I can mainly just speak for me, I think 
uh, Mist Online, Uru Live is just smaller. Uh, it's a smaller scale than how we were uh, originally intending Uru Live to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had quite a uh, backlog of ages ready to go. We had mm-hmm. some pretty deep story ready to go, and we didn't have that with Mist um, Online, Uru Live. Um, we obviously had those ages that we had released, and we kind of re reworked them and modified them, um, but. I think it's just I think it is a live under a smaller scale. That's yeah. how I look at it. Um yeah. and we would obviously love it to be at the large scale. Um I think lessons we learned were um uh I think a lot of stuff just with story and how how involved people are able to be with um the characters in Uru in uh Mist Online with mm-hmm. the story going on and Despite what we were just talking about earlier, where you know people get upset they weren't able to see certain events, it's, yeah. it's still amazing to me how involved and um, passionate people get about the story. And you know, really, a lot of the times that story is just words. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, or an avatar may or may not be walking around, but you're seeing these words. And mm-hmm. um, in the case of the cave-in, you're just seeing this chat log between. Uh, Wheelie and her, and her father. And that had me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was so, one of the few episodes that I was actually able to... I wasn't there in the cavern. I was off in one of the hoods getting the relays. Mm-hmm. And it really was gripping. Yeah. And when it came yeah. to the finale, it was crushing. You know, the it was really yeah. so effective. You know, told as yeah. it was, it was so effective. And so well acted, I should say, too. Yeah, that really did work well. So mm-hmm. I think, and I think that was based on stuff we learned in Uru Live, just with uh, Sharper and the little Great Tree Pub and mm-hmm. uh, the little the little groups that he was starting up, and the people mm-hmm. who didn't like those groups and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think we, I think we also learned that people still, uh, in the end, want content. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they want to see new ages and be able to experience them and play them mm-hmm. so uh and again i think that's just where missed online in its present uh version is smaller we you know we, we just there hasn't been the <clears throat> constant steady stream of content that yeah, we would yeah. like there to be but making the best of it so uh-huh well um We've discussed the guild concepts in previous interviews but a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then so I'd like to revisit the idea for a moment and to see what you have in mind for the guilds in season two. I can tell you, me personally, I would love to see the guilds grow into the way they were, or the way we've described them um, at the at the climax of the Dunny civilization. Yes, I'd love to see a guild hall. I'd love to see a council and a high council and elected members and a a means of members rising up a guild rank, things mm-hmm. that they would have to do to become higher ranks, and those higher ranks kind of running those guilds in a sense and running the people who are below them and the guilds actually affecting the cavern and affecting mm-hmm. the ages and creating ages and doing it all. I mean, that to me, that's the end of the road where we want to get. Now, how we get there, I'm not sure. That would be very cool because uh, you could actually join a guild as a novice and train into the you know the functionalities exactly. of that guild. Yeah. 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 No. Until I mean, you're a master yourself. Yeah. Right. I mean, and if you think about it, if the guilds were fully implemented in a in a, in a real and um, 
pretty complex way, mm-hmm. um, the community would be running the cavern through the guilds. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Cyan would be at the top of that chain mm-hmm. communicating to through the guilds or to two top tiers of the guilds. But, I mean, to me, that would be an, an awesome concept. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that would come in, you know, if the Guild of Writers were, were able to create ages and the Guild of Maintainers test them. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's obviously, I think everyone knows where it could go. Uh-huh. And I don't want to get people too excited by me even saying that because, <laughs> oh, my gosh, in season two, we're going to, you know, those are, those are the big plans that are way off, and those are mm-hmm. my... That's where I would personally love to see them go, and mm-hmm. it's a long ways from where we are now to getting there, and I'm not sure how fast or how far we're going to be able to take it, but I think that's a kind of the driving vision for where we go. Uh-huh. Uh, so hopefully that kind of answers the question. Yeah. Well, I know that those of us in the cavern today were thrilled uh, to be accepted into the Guild of Messengers and are looking forward to functioning in that capacity through Season 2 and seeing what... Yep. Possibilities yeah. are there for us, and what we can do, you know, to support the right, uh, support the restoration, yeah, think, as it were. I mean, I think the guilds are exciting, and I think any little thing we can do will get people more and more excited. So hopefully, we can just kind of keep that ball rolling and keep adding to it, and um, see where it goes from there. Uh huh. Well, uh, getting a bit more out of cavern, uh, let's talk about the infrastructure for a second. Most of us would <laughs> admit that it wouldn't be Uru without the lag, but Realistically, will we see any improvements in performance and maybe in population caps too in season two? Um, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but I'm not sure that is one of our top priorities. Unfortunately, uh-huh. um, I mean, I think we would like to improve it a bit, but I think we've made some improvements. Um, we're fairly happy with some parts of it um Mm -hmm. there's obviously we'd like to get more people in um to the city i'm not sure realistically that we're going to get that much higher that quickly yeah especially given the fact that we don't know what our what our uh what our future is for season two yeah and these unknowns have got to be killing you guys (laughs) yeah exactly. i just wish we knew yeah um i think we're just kind of wait and see although i'll say that that's you know, if we were if we were given the sky's the limit, I'm not sure we'd all be rushing to. That would be our top thing. But I think there's a lot of things we want to fix. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. And lag is obviously one of them, but there's some other things we'd want to fix first. Mm-hmm. So um, we're always trying to improve the lag. We're always. Uh, programmers are always working on that, and I think we've made some some progress, and hopefully we can make more. Um, it's been considerably we, worse in the past. I do know that. Yeah. It has been, and I'm not sure that we – I should say I don't personally know of any um, uh, big ideas that we have to improve that a massive amount in the mm-hmm. immediate future. Yeah. Uh, can you give us an approximate date when season two will kick off, or do you know yet? <laughs> I can't. I don't. Okay. Well, that's pretty much all I've got. Uh, so in wrapping up, we'd like to thank you and everyone at Cyan Worlds for the great efforts you've gone through to bring us Uru Live. It was a long time coming, and and we sincerely appreciate what you've all done. Are there any thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we close? Um, well, I it's 
starting to sound old because we say it every time, but we are so appreciative of the fans and the community and what you guys do. Um, and uh, I think if there's anything we want you to know is that we are trying to do our best to give you what you want. And I think mm-hmm. we all want the same thing, and I think it comes across as Cyan maybe doesn't want the same thing sometimes, yeah. but we do, and we, uh, in some cases, we just we just aren't able to do those things. So um, keep sticking with us, and hopefully we will continue to improve this thing and make it better and better and eventually get to the point where we can all uh, see Uru as, as kind of the place we've always envisioned it to be. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, just thank you. You guys are a fantastic community. Truly. Well, we need to thank you because I don't know what we'd be doing with our time if it wasn't for Uru. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watching something more productive. <laughs> well, either watching TV or playing first-person shooters or something. So Nobody needs TV. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's great to have you on again. And until next time, uh, we'll bid you farewell and uh, – and we'll close his eyes with, uh, for the cavern today, this is Moag signing off. Oh, sing a song of Bethlehem, of shepherds watching there, and of the news that came to them from angels in the air. The light that shone on Bethlehem Fills all the world today Of Jesus' birth and peace on earth The angels sing always Oh, sing a song of Nazareth of sunny days of joy, oh, sing of fragrant flowers' breath, and of the sinless boy. Born of the flowers on Nazareth, in every heart they grow, now spreads the fame of Song of Galilee, of lake and woods and hill, of him who walked upon the sea and bade the waves be still. For the light waves on Galilee, dark seas of trouble.
That was our very own Moog singing Bethlehem. Now let's check in with our resident geek squad and see what tips and tricks they have to share. They promised me that this time I'd be able to follow the piece. Yeah, right. We'll see about that. Welcome to TCG Tech, your regular podcast segment providing you with technical tips and tricks for Missed Online Uru Live. I'm Janathus, and with me today is my normal cohort, Mr. If It Ain't Broke, You're Not Running Beta, Anthony. Hey! First up, we're covering a little bit about Vista. Not too technical this time, it's just, well, it's time to adopt. Well, let me re- rephrase that. Time to adopt with a few caveats. Uh, you would do best to have a dual-core processor. You would... Mm-hmm. Do best to have two gigabytes of RAM if you're going to be gaming, and it wouldn't hurt to have a DirectX 9 card either. Of course, if you have anything yeah. made in the last couple of years, you probably do, if you're a gamer. If you want the full experience of Vista, DirectX 9 is mandatory. Do You you had a, a single-core processor when you first started using Vista. Um, how would you say that compares to your dual-core experience now? Well... My dual-core experience is much better than my single-core, but Vista was perfectly usable with single-core. It's just multitasking could cause the system, in the early days at least, to uh, pause when playing audio and such things. Like, uh, you know, we had some experiences with that when I tell you, well, you're starting to break up a bit. Yeah, yeah. When I was using Vista early on, that was usually due to stuff like that. When I switched to the dual-core processor and the drivers started improving on the audio, those kinds of problems went away. There's a couple of other points to make, though. Vista, of course, needs to be fully updated. I mean, like, it if it wasn't yeah. fine out when it first came out in the first of the year, so most machines that come with Vista are not going to be fine when you get them. They're going to need to be fully updated with Windows updates before they're ready to roll. There have uh, been at least two or three performance updates for Vista, and they do do some major improvements yeah, when it's, you, it comes to usability. Some of them are, are silly file transfer things, like if you download a couple hundred megabyte demo, you're going to transfer it from one folder to another, and Vista says, let me see, how long is that going to take? Um, three hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's now you before it even gives you a time estimation, it's already halfway done anyway, because it's only going to be a few seconds to boot something, which it should be. Yep. Uh, Vista, of course, is not perfect. Uh, I don't know of any Microsoft operating system that ever was or ever I don't has know of been. any operating system that ever was. Yeah. Um, you have uh, things like uh, XP. I've had problems. I continue to have problems with sharing and uh, network configuration issues. Like, I, I want the security of the the advanced network sharing, but I don't want the hassle of having every user in my entire network on every computer. So it's like you kind of can't have both, whereas Vista, you can actually have password-protected sharing, which does not require each user to be on each machine. Yeah, that's nice because they carried over some of those uh, professional features to the uh, home editions of the OS. Yeah. Those are just examples. It's just glossing over it. Um, Another important point, a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to 
suffer the resource hit just to get the eye candy. Well, to make, just to make that clear, the, the eye candy really isn't where the resource hit is coming from. No. <laughs> if, if you turn it off, you're really not going to see a boost. The so, only place you're going to see any performance improvement is when you're playing a game, and that's because the graphics card is going to be being shared between the game if it's a, 3D, a 3D game and the UI. But if you're doing any normal stuff, you're probably going to experience better speeds with arrow on than with it off. Actually, most of the time when you go to a game, the arrow switches to the basic. Yeah, it just does it behind the scenes. It, that's because it's supposed to detect when the game's trying to use the DirectX features and shut itself off. Yeah. To ruminate on the whole behind-the-scenes thing, things like if you've ever dug into your group policy editor and seen the number of objects in there, um, I know it's at least twice as much as it was before. Uh, if you ever go through your event logger, they've included a search feature because now it's so it's so deep now that there's simply just it's not browsable like it used to be. But as far as like um, all all the games, and I, I run higher end games than Uru. I actually run much higher end games than Uru, and I have no issues. The new stuff, Gears of War, works fine. Uh, even old stuff, Rainbow Six Vegas, which actually is kind of quite a system killer, runs fine in Vista. The single player of Uru does not work in Vista, but they stopped updating it back in 2003. Mm-hmm. So it, that's four, year, four years ago. It's really hard to find drivers that still work with it, you know, when Vista's drivers have only been made, I don't know, the last year, year and a half. Uh, yeah, well, technically they've been making Vista drivers for two years, but the final drivers only started being made oh. after January. Not even yeah. at the start of when they released For the, the most OS. part, no one can get a hold of those drivers anyway, so yeah. for all intents and purposes. But I've been able to get Riven working on Vista. Uh, it required a little bit of a workaround. I had to uninstall QuickTime in iTunes, install Riven, let it install its version of QuickTime, then reinstall QuickTime 7 and iTunes 7, and then it worked fine. But that's that yeah. is a that's a method I had to use before with the original CD-ROM version of Riven. Yeah, that's just one of those things. They don't make QuickTime. Well, they don't distribute QuickTime for that version of uh, you know, QuickTime files anymore. So I, I do know that installing Riven with its version of QuickTime and then updating QuickTime with iTunes, Riven works fine. I was able to play through the the first gate room. And head to the first island and start working on puzzles there. So after like being in it for about 30 minutes, I thought, yeah, I think it's pretty stable. So as far as I can tell, this, if it, Vista can play a game from 1998, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. The the whole Uru thing, like Uru I, was very finicky for a very long time. The single player version was. I remember having to constantly stick with this old driver that wasn't supporting some of my newer game features because Uru simply wouldn't run with it. I was I very happy. Those problems. Yeah, I was very happy to to upgrade to. The Mist Online Uru Live, where I don't have to deal with the whole driver from you know the caveman days anymore. <laughs> um, I like that my all my updated drivers for my video card, my sound card are all working with Mist Online Uru Live, and the canon, as it were, the official story is in the Uru Live. So I know user created ages are in the single player, and that that is a that is a bit of a loss, unfortunately. Well, you won't have to worry about it. We should be seeing those soon enough in Uru Live as well. Yeah. Which does, by the way, work perfectly fine with Vista. Yes. Um, and I've, I recommended to a, a fan that came along asking me about the single-player stuff, and I said, uh, just try the demo. It's free. If you've got an internet connection, obviously, because you're talking to me on a chat messenger, try the demo. It's free. To clarify, at least one thing with Vista, the DirectX 9, uh, it's hard to get a video card these days that isn't DirectX 9, so you really yeah. 
can't go wrong just about anywhere with a new machine, um, a new video card. If you go to the very cheapest ATI video cards, you get the 9200 series or even the 7000 series. Neither of those are DirectX 9. No, but no, if you're trying, if you're upgrading your video card, <laughs> those are not what I would call upgrades. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anything GeForce six series and up is all DirectX 9, so you're covered there. So make sure Vista is all the way up, updated. And if you get a new Vista machine, perhaps from Dell or HP, because gradually they're phasing out your access to XP, the important thing to note is the image they probably give you with the system isn't going to be updated. And yeah. so don't don't gauge your perception of how it runs or doesn't run based on that out-of-the-box. You'll need to update it, which begs the question, why don't I just wait till Service Pack 1, which in case, yeah, they will probably ship the systems with Service Pack 1. Yeah, most of the updates you're going to see in Service Pack 1 will be already released. It's only going to be some obscure stuff and probably stuff you don't care about that's going to be yeah. in Service Pack 1. Microsoft is going few? back to their, uh, their roll-up process where yeah. the, the service pack isn't so much a whole new operating system. It's a roll-up of the previous patches. So, Vista, thumbs up, ready to roll. If you're a missed online or a live player, it'll work fine for you. At uh, this point, if you're getting a new computer, you might as well adopt because... Yeah, players, it's only going to be future compatible anyway. Next up, a new issue has popped up with GameTap's newest client. Um, they had an update, and then they had another update, but the problem persisted between the two. So um, I have uh, DSL. It's actually it's fiber to the node DSL, so I have a pretty good chunk of bandwidth coming to my house these days. But the device that's, at, that's in my house, the gateway, is actually a DSL device, and it is a multi-purpose device. It is, it's not a modem. It's not a router. It's not a... TV tuner, it's everything. It's all in one device. So what's what? Very nice. What I ended up finding out was that the uh, the something was wrong with my DNS. Something wasn't propagated or hasn't propagated, and because of that, I have not able to download any PC games through GameTap. One of those PC games would be Oh Missed Online or Live. So if you ever have to reinstall, oops. <laughs> so yeah. here's the fix that I have found that works. I have switched my computer's DNS addresses from my internet provider's provided addresses to open DNS. Um, DNS is how you actually navigate the internet for the most part. If you go to google.com, you're actually going to 66.60. I should actually resolve that address so I could tell them specifically what IP that is, but it's a number. Everywhere you go is actually a number. It's actually an IP. DNS is designed to translate that so you don't have to remember all these numbers. So you don't have to say Yahoo is actually 256.whatever and File Planet is 30.24. It's it's you remember the names and DNS does all the translation. So Okay, here we go. 209.85.238.11.216.239.33.96. They have a lot of IPs. Yeah, they've got of course, like any other any major company like Microsoft, they're gonna have multiple places they can resolve the data at. Mirrors, as it were. If you have Mac OS X Tiger, Mac OS X Leopard, Windows XP, Windows 98, Windows Vista, you can go to OpenDNS.com, click on the Get Started yellow button. They've got instructions per OS to tell you how to do it. It's really easy. It doesn't hurt anything. You may even gain some speed off of it because, in my case, my all of my DNS resolutions happen at my gateway inside my house, whereas now they... they 
resolved between my computer and OpenDNS servers, which takes some of the weight off my gateway. To verify, I have gone through the tech boards on GameTap. I've actually talked to GameTap Tech, and the problem does seem to be restricted to DSL users for whatever reason. So if you're a DSL user and you suddenly can't download GameTap games, this might be your solution. I'll, I'll check back a, later in, in a later tech piece to tell you whether or not this is the situation has resolved one way or the other. Because, you know, like Anthony, I like to tinker, and I'll be taking it on and off to see if it is fixed yet. <laughs> Our final thing we're going to talk about this time, it's widescreen resolutions in Mist Online or Alive. If you're in Mist 5 and you're looking at your video settings, you have a checkbox called Recommended Resolutions. If you uncheck it, you now have the ability to switch to widescreen resolutions. Widescreen resolutions are now just the same 4x3 resolutions with more view distance on the left and right. Not stretched. You can actually just see more of the environment rendered in front of you. Uh, this is where Mist Online or Alive seems to screw up. Somewhere they did not bring this kind of information into the new widescreen support provided by Mist Online or Alive. As an example, stand in front of any circle and any 4x3 resolution. That could be 800 by 600 1024 by 768 1280 by 960 1600 by 1200 There are some others, but you get the idea. 4x3 is regular TV resolution, so 4 horizontal, 3 vertical. You'll see most circles are not quite circular. They're a little ovoid. Um, you need to, of course, stand directly in front of it. The example I'll give to you is the uh, the circle yeshiv symbol that's above your bookshelf in Relto. If you switch to a 16 by 10 widescreen output, which is what most computers support, you'll see that the, the oval has now become even more oval vertically. So I did some testing and some screenshots and some resizing, and it turns out that... Uh, if you squash a 16 by 10 output from Uru to 16 to 9, that it's actually the same ratio of output. The circles are the same shape as a 4 by 3 output would be. So you can take 1280 by 800 and, and squish it down to 1280 by 720, which is actually 720p for a widescreen high-definition television, and it's essentially the same as 4 by 3 which makes you think, well, maybe I'll just run 1280 by 720p and let my monitor automatically put the bars at the top and the bottom so that I'll have the right ratio. Wrong. You go to 1280 by 720, the problem gets worse. The distortion is even worse. So much so it looks like like it's psychedelic. So yeah. I, I had not taken the time. I knew this problem had been there for a long time. I just hadn't taken the time to document it, figure out what, exactly what the problem was, quantify it so that I can ticket it. I've ticketed it, and I've also posted on the Moodle forums in the technical section, and it's a known issue, and it's probably on the back burner, but it's probably on the plate somewhere. If you, too, also are running a widescreen monitor and you would like this fixed, ticket it. The more tickets you put in, the more likelihood that they're actually going to fix it. Uh, why don't you close us out since I've done all the talking so far? You haven't done all the talking. I talked plenty during the Vista segment. Yeah, but the last second two were all me, so you, you close us out. Sure, right, Janae, this, right, 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 sure. <laughs> Anyways, now that Janathus has decided that he doesn't want to talk anymore, it's about time to get finished. I'm not going to get anything more out of him. So that's where we'll wrap up. This is Anthony. And this is Janathus. Signing off.
Now, we have another treat for you. A small excerpt from the Cavern Choir. This one is a quartet called Es Nacido. Es Nacido, Es Nacido Dinos quien El que Zacarías Vito 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 Hey, honey, can you get me some more wrapping paper? Let's see, I've got a new backpack for Janathus, a new microphone for Anthony. I got Moog, a brand new hat. I got Dalkin, that new pair of hiking boots. I got a four million and some odd piece puzzle of the Kaddish vault for Nareem. I got Torin Echo, a new journal and stationery kit. Let's see what else. Oh, there's that new set of paints for Miles. A new hat band for Aunt Susie's pith helmet. And oh, I've got to send that movie trivia game over to Wolfgang. And then I got to get that scorecard to Monty so he can figure out what characters are where oh 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 hi everyone it's sherry again for the cavern today i'm just going over my holiday shopping list for all of my cavern family and friends you know back on christmas day of 2003 underneath the tree was my brand new boxed edition of uru ages beyond mist it was my true first real mist franchise game that i had ever gotten at the time of its release i couldn't wait to get it installed and and i got to my computer installed it and then i figured out Oh, my computer's not up to speed. I had to go out and buy a new graphics card so I could play it. But 
I've come to learn that that little box that my husband gave me that Christmas was the gift that just keeps on giving. You know, a lot of times we get stuff under the tree during the holidays that we only use for a little while. Then they become part of our everyday existence until the item wears out or the newness wears off and it's just some thing we got for some holiday sometime. For me, Uru is definitely a holiday thing. Every holiday season, I remember that Uru was my Christmas gift that has been a treasure to me now for five years. Let's see what I got out of that little box with the CD-ROM in it. Well, looking into that box, it didn't only have a CD-ROM in it. It came with a family, close friends, and people that I've shared my life with. We've gone through all the things a family should. I know a lot of folks who rolled their eyes when on Thanksgiving weekend in the United States, stores started playing holiday music. My husband nearly came unglued, and he said, Thanksgiving isn't even over yet, and they're already playing Christmas carols. I laughed, because for me, it's a signal that it's time to celebrate the holidays for the fifth time with my Uru family. It's time to visit the Dakota rooftop for a look at the menorah, and a visit to the Baron's office in the city to look at the Christmas tree. I was talking with my cavern family, you know those wonderful folks in the Meeting Place neighborhood, who I've spent my holidays with almost every year since I got Uru, and we were discussing going caroling from hood to hood and seeing what other neighborhoods were doing for the holidays. You know, the funny thing about Christmas in Uru is that there is no gift giving. You know, I can I can imagine giving a new backpack to Nathus, a new microphone for Anthony, or a new hat for Moog, but really... You know what? There is no gift-giving in Uru, and I think that is why Christmas is in Uru is so special to me. It's not about what object you can give. It's really about the quality time you spend with your cavern family and friends, and it really brings the holiday spirit home. So, whether you're playing Uru on your laptop, sitting next to a fire with a cup of hot chocolate, or sitting in your easy chair with a cup of hooched-up eggnog, or underneath the covers of your warm and cozy bed, or if you're like me, sitting at home in your home office with a cup of apple cider with your floor heater turned on, or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere like our Aussie friends, Hi, Nareem! That's right, Nareem's probably sitting there in shorts because it's summertime for them. Either way, there is no better way to spend the holidays than with your cavern family and friends. If I have to give a gift this season, my number one gift to give is the Mist Reader. I gave a copy already to my cavern little brother Riley, and he's enjoying every page because... See, he's not been in Cavern as long as the rest of my Cavern family has, and he's having a really good time playing catch-up. Funny thing is, his teacher at school is giving him credit for reading it. So I hope you get an A, Riley. Like I always say, Uru is just that gift that keeps on giving. I'd like to say happy holidays to my Cavern family. Y'all make my holidays happy and bright. So from our house in the desert, to you and all of yours, have a very happy holiday season. But then again, that's just me, of course. For The Cavern Today, this is Sherry, signing off. Honey, I really do need that wrapping paper. These things have got to get in the mail. Sure, everyone. Dawkins Starbine here for The Cavern Today. Do you remember when the Tudini expansion pack for Uru first came out? Dr. Watson had that great letter to us all explorers welcoming us to Denis, the one that starts, Fellow citizens of Denis, I realize that salutation may sound a bit presumptuous, 
but this epic moment allows for some extravagance and anticipation on my part, for we find ourselves at one of those rare junctures in human history. We stand on the edge of a precipice of discovery and enlightenment, and now we take the first step off the edge. Welcome to Denis. It goes on in a very moving manner. But such a great letter must have gone through many rewrites before Dr. Watson was satisfied with his wording. Who knows just how many drafts he went through before completing the one we all read. Recently, we at the cavern today managed to get a hold of one of those scrap drafts while rummaging through the trash bins. I mean, while doing our research. It can only be speculated just what our beloved Rawa might have been thinking while writing this version. Or uh, how it must have been done at three in the morning, with very little caffeine in his system to keep the quirks of dreamland at bay. Anyway, here it is. Dr. Watson's early draft of the Welcome to Denis letter. Fellow Carrots of Cincinnati, I realize that that salutation may sound a bit supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but this epic moment allows for some pancakes and anticipation on my part for we find ourselves at one of those rare, self-conscious lamingtons in human amplitude. We stand on the edge of a fur hat of discovery and dynamite, and now we take the first waste collector off the edge. Welcome to Cincinnati. For the first time I can decapitate those words. Until now, overclocked locomotives have been limited to those who are backwardsly adept enough to stack, or those who are connected enough to be kicked. But soon that will change. Soon, anyone who hears the call will be sticky. Of course, at first their success will be limited, and their cones will be controlled. But the hot dog is opening. Cincinnati is beginning to eviscerate from its long, rotund calligrapher. What I'm trying to say is that your bulldozer here has been more than simply a garrulous exercise. We firmly believe that this grapefruit was meant to be inhabited. It was meant to be growing. It was meant to be esoteric. We are here because we've all felt that same feeling, that same buccaneer. Even now, many more are beginning to feel that buccaneer as well. They will come, and Cincinnati will expire once more. To Cincinnati. This Mad Lib brought to you by Dr. Richard Watson's Trashbin, The Cutting and Pasting Talents of Tornico and the spontaneous contributions of various TCT staff members. For The Cavern Today, this is Dalkin Starbine, signing off. Shara, this is Montgomery, your TCT investigative reporter. With most of the DRC and other restoration leadership absent from the cavern or off on their own projects, there is very little to report on their efforts. However, the Explorer community has begun to embrace the formation of the five guilds proposed by Kate Alexander last summer. This, then, is the Guild Report for December 2007. In case you've been stuck on the surface and lost your Relto book, and have managed to avoid the dozen or so active forums devoted to Uru, the five guilds the DRC proposed for official status at some undefined future date are the Guild of Greeters, the Guild of Cartographers, the Guild of Messengers, the Guild of Writers, and the Guild of Maintainers. The Guild of Greeters was actually granted official status in 2003 when it was formed, and has been a part of Mist Online Uru Live since it was launched. In recent news, the original Grandmaster, Tijara, has stepped down to pursue real life, whatever that is, and is succeeded by Indy, 
Another guild that has been around for a long time is the Guild of Cartographers. Under Grandmaster Aiden, this guild has been quietly but steadily turning out excellent and highly accurate maps of the accessible areas of the Cavern and the Ages since long before Kate's announcement last summer. Little has changed, even with the nod from the DRC. However, Aiden and many members of the guild and other interested explorers held a guild meeting on September 29th to discuss the future of the guild and working more closely with the restoration. On the other hand, the Guild of Messengers, or pre-guild pending official status, has been very active since the yellow t-shirts first appeared in Corel. One thing they have done is to introduce the idea of official affiliates, existing organizations that already do the business of communicating with the explorer community. So far, the official affiliates of the pre-guild of messengers include the Cavern Communications Network, the Cavern Criers, the Cavern Today podcast, and Uru Radio. The pre-guild of messengers has not yet elected leaders, but the members have built an informative website and forum at www.guildofmessengers.com, where they are definitely living up to their motto, see a need, fill a need. The pre-guild of writers had the largest instant membership, since there have been a number of groups formed over the years for the purpose of designing and programming new ages for Uru. Many of the tools already existed when the black and red t-shirts showed up in Corel. In fact, many of these ages were available during the days of Until Uru, through a tool known as the Uru Library Manager, or ULM. This tool is available today to anyone running the Uru Complete Chronicles standalone game. The tool actually adds new books to your relto shelf and lets you explore these fan-made ages exactly like an age written by the Denis. At the beginning of December, three prominent members of the pre-guild of writers, Trilon, Bad, and Prifton, introduced a serious proposal for a guild structure and representative leadership, something the dozens of age builders had thus far lacked. While there have been a few dissenters, it appears as if the idea gained widespread acceptance, and the list of the five officeholders is already being voted on. The pre-guild of maintainers held elections for their five guild masters in November, and like the other guilds, have their own website and forum. While the maintainers have not received official status, they have, nevertheless, begun working closely with the writers and are on track to inspect the writers' first group effort, Ara Potts. Kudos to all of the guild members and guild leaders who have taken a mere suggestion with virtually no help from the powers that be, turned them into working guilds in all but name. If you're interested in learning more about these guilds, or joining one, see the guild's subforum on the Mist Online Uru Live forums for information and links. This has been Montgomery for The Cavern Today. Be sure to listen for further installments of The Guild Report. to the end of Podcast 31. It goes by fast, doesn't it? We're always grateful to our fans for listening, and equally grateful to our devoted staff that Janathus, poor and miserly fellow that he is, pays as much as he can afford. <coughs> Nothing. <coughs> hey, this is Alhan from the TCT Extra, wishing you and all you love a very Merry Christmas. This is Anthony from the Cavern Today, wishing everyone a Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Bert underscore 2 from Belgium, wishing all our listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Dalkin Starbine from The Cavern Today, wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Donahue, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from South Carolina. This is Jeff Wise from The Cavern.
Gavin today wishing you a happy holiday. Greetings from Warren, Michigan. This is Janathus wishing everyone in the cavern a happy holiday season. This is Morris from the cavern today wishing you and everyone a very merry holiday season and a happy new year. This is Montgomery from Citrus Heights, California, wishing you and all of your avatars a joyful and healthy holiday season. This is Moog from St. Charles, Missouri, USA, wishing you the very best of the Christmas season for you and for your family. Hi, this is Nareem from Sydney, Australia, and I'm wishing you and your families a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You've got mail. This is a greeting from Toroneko saying Happy Holidays to everyone, everywhere. Season's greetings, everyone. This is Wolfgang D. in Chicago wishing you and yours a safe and happy holiday season. And this is Shiri wishing you and yours the happiest of holidays. And for the team at the Cavern Today, we're signing off.